and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. With me today is our producer, AJ Falleri. How are you doing today? How are the bars, the levels? How's your morning? Whoa! I'm coming in hot from space. Here I am. Space? From, from T-Space. I just, I came out of T-Space. There we go. That's a specific reference. Okay. I, <laughs> um... I'm just going to say the best one of the best jokes in the whole book is near the end of the book. There's this line that's like, no, sound doesn't travel in space. End and, of lesson. And, yeah, parentheses. That's, that's how sci-fi. And teaches. this is how science fiction educates. Yeah, really good. Really, really good. Really, really. Anyway, I, it, <laughs> it's not the last line in the book. But it, anyway, so uh, <laughs> I, I just couldn't stop. We should. Well, OK, well, I'll introduce the third leg of the stool. So. Uh, he's been, he he was there with us for the first two Willful Child, our uh, my friend. He's watched a lot of Star Trek in his life. It's one Nathan Quinn. Hello. How are you doing today, Nate? I'm good. Set phasers to kill. Hey. I'm, here, uh, I'm excited to be back to talking about this third and final question mark Willful Child book. It seems final. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and referencing that that quote about this is how science fiction educates. I this think, is how science fiction educates. I don't know if you guys know this. I think it's a reference to Hugo Gernsback, the guy who the Hugo Award is named for, is like oh. a, a pioneer of science fiction. He was firmly adamant that it wasn't science fiction unless it was educating. <laughs> so, so, um, <laughs> wow. So, like, he, I think, was an editor of one of the first like science fiction magazines that was publishing um, science fiction stories. And he wouldn't include your story if it didn't have some educational content. So wow. he was really gatekeeping science fiction. So it's, it's glad wow. uh, we're, we're glad Steven uh, Erickson got in under the wire at the very end of the book <laughs> with a little education. <laughs> uh, that way he can be termed science fiction, according to Hugo Gernsback. I, I just found it very funny and a mockery of that exact idea that people are walking away from these stories with some great knowledge of science. Right. You know? Yeah. As if as if anything in this book is educational. Exactly. But science fiction, you know, incredible, um, incredible. Anyway, so uh, here on the show, uh, I don't know. Time's a blur. The show is uh, is uh, uh, an infinite loop. I do not know where it begins and ends. At some point, we read the other two willful child right. books, and now we are finished. We have we have completed this trilogy, which was a much easier task than reading the Book of the Fallen on the show. Yeah. So uh, we squeezed them all in, and uh, let's just uh, we're gonna chill out, talk about it. We're probably gonna spoil the whole book, but once again, I don't really think it's something to be spoiled. You know, hang out. We're just going to shoot the shit about this book. Yeah. Uh, AJ, kick it off. What you think of uh, the third installment of Steven Erickson's Star Trek satire? Yeah. So I think I might have a hot take. I didn't. Hot take. I did not like this book. <laughs> okay. I, right. I, I, I don't I'm know. fully open to this take. I... I, I and I would say maybe it's the, the 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 way in which I read it, which was all last night. But that all right. is but that's how I read the other ones as well. OK. And I loved the other ones. This one just wasn't hooking me for some reason. I don't know. It just didn't get you. It just didn't get me. And I'm going to be totally honest with you, folks. I didn't finish it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, got, I got to like chapter 10 and then was like, oh, man. And then was just and then like flipped all the way to the end, read that science fiction line. It was like, nice. <laughs> and, and then 
And then I went to sleep, um, which pr- maybe isn't the best practice for coming on a podcast and talking about the book. But I do think, you know, for this specific book, I got the idea. Yeah. And I and I know these characters and stuff. And 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 that was really what I enjoyed most about it, I guess, is coming back to these characters. I really, 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 really enjoyed Nina twice, who just has to mm. do everything two times. Yeah. Like, all time incredible gag. It's, really it's a fun gag. I don't time. think I noticed that in previous books. I don't know if he just hit it harder in this book or what, but that it was such a fun gag this time. Yeah, I didn't notice it in the other ones, but it maybe it was happening. But but I feel like she was definitely more present in this book than the other ones. All right. Um, <laughs> I, I would love to. I, I think we should try and pick at that scab for a sec, but I do yeah. kind of just want to get everyone's first thoughts. Nate, where, did you have a similar experience? Where are you at? Honestly, I think I liked it more than the other two. There Damn. were crazy takes. Yeah, crazy take. There, there were probably fewer like random vignettes in this one. There was a little bit more connective tissue. Mm. And we did check in with some random side characters for no reason. I, I don't know if I loved checking in with Betty and Molly all the time. Yeah, on, sure. Uh, Ruta Pimente. Mm. But still, I think I liked it uh, a little more. It just felt a little less aggressive. Like there wasn't quite as much. I don't know. There there still was, but there wasn't as much as the previous two books, like s- sexual advances from mm. Captain Hadrian. Um, I don't know. It, it, it just felt like a chiller time, a chiller read. Uh, uh, the references were fun. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe that's why I enjoyed it is the, the, the references got me this time. And, and you mm. guys were probably like, what the hell is going on? Mm. But I don't know. I had a good time. I do agree. I think it's a much chiller book than the other too and i like it's still somewhat angry and you know we are getting a lot of swipes in about humans society we're like these dumb you know whatever you know people but yeah i i I agree i that's not like just an observation but nate you say that you say that what you said there at the end about the references is is really how i'm framing it i i you know whether i how do i feel about the other two i don't know i feel roughly the same i feel like You know, I don't know if you read the first one. I don't know if like I would tell you you need to read these other two, you know. Oh, yeah. I basically feel like they're kind of just more of the same shtick, you know, but different stuff, you know. Yeah, definitely. But um, here's a here's a hashtag ad for our own hashtag content in that for the for the Patreon, you can go on there and we're going to talk about some Star Trek, the original series episodes. So for that. I recently watched some of the Star Trek original series, some mm. m- probably the most episodes I've ever seen of that show, and it was only a handful. And I got to tell you, so I'm watching these episodes, and it's right after I read this book, and I was like, man, Nate must be having a total different experience <laughs> reading the book than I am. <laughs> yeah. It must be... Like, just unspeakably different. It seems so clear that in some way, maybe this book just isn't for me at all. Yeah. Yeah, I I tried to pick some episodes that were relevant to the content in the book. So uh, as a teaser for the people who are not Patreon supporters but want to hear that episode where (laughs) Peter and AJ watched some original series episodes, um, we watched, let's see, we watched Mirror Mirror, which was is always a fun choice because um, there's always a lot of uh, mirror content, uh, mirror universe content in these books. That's a fun mm. gag that Steve Erickson loves. We watched Who Mourns for Adonai, which is the uh, the visit to um, the Greek. I, I, uh, isn't it Adonis? 
Mm, but you, you would think so. But uh, it's, it's, it's who mourns for Adonai, because um, as we'll talk about on the Patreon episode, um, these original series episodes are all named after some bullshit uh, literary poem from the 18th century or something. And we also watch Patterns of Force, the one where uh, Kirk and Spock go down to a Nazi planet. Amazing. These are the kind of episodes that uh, it seemed to me that Steven Erickson really enjoyed making fun of in the Willful Child books. And I and that's it's exactly what you're talking about, Pete. It's exactly the kind of thing where he references it for a couple chapters, probably. And it like really hammers on, you know, the Nazi episode, for instance. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys were thinking when you were reading this without that context. Uh, exactly. It was kind of, it's listen, I didn't eat, it's you know, I had a fine time with the book. It's not like I really walked away. I was, you know, I if any at, at worst, it was kind of a shrug. Do you know what I mean? But there mm-hmm. were plenty of parts I found funny. But like. It, I almost feel like I was watching Meet the Spartans and I didn't know 300 exists. <laughs> <laughs> it's a I mean, reference. <laughs> I know that's wow. a really specific reference yeah. to mid-2000s movie parodies, but like... Yeah, that, that to- I totally get that, though. That right. totally tracks. Right, like imagine watching Scary Movie without screen for an even more timely yeah. reference. Right. I, I just like, I don't know. I guess watching more of the show made it clear how much of this book is probably just... Oh, yeah. Just like referencing a bunch of stuff I don't know. Absolutely. So. And and not just the original series, although Erickson really favors the original series and the original. It does seem like mostly an original series. Riff. He also clearly loves the original movies. I mean, there's a lot to parody in there. Um, yeah. Because I had watched like two dozen next gen episodes, but yeah. like that's I don't really feel like a lot of that's in this book besides some tiny stuff. Yeah, right. Exactly. You probably picked up on the brief references to Captain John Lucky Placard. Yeah, John Lucky Placard. He gets like, uh, you know, a couple pages of of featured and then he dies off or something. They kill him off, right? Yeah, Um, but it's still not like, you know, it's not where the focus is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think he also references a lot of those original movies. Um, Mm. Those movies are ridiculous a lot of times. Specifically, the title is The Search for Spark, which is referencing... Mm. Uh, what Star Trek three, the search for Spock, which yeah. mm. if you guys recall at the end of the wrath of Khan spoilers for the wrath of Khan, it's a very old movie, <laughs> but it's fun and you should watch it or you should subscribe to Patreon and go listen to the time where we yeah. talked about it. <clears throat> we love that movie. Um, I, I it's, a good, it great. it's a great, it's an all time great movie. There's a rule of thumb yeah. that, uh, Star Trek movies for a long time, only the even number ones were good. So Star Trek two <laughs> was good. Then uh, Spock dies at the end and they have to go search for him because he's actually alive uh, as as if they would ever kill off Spock. Although I think they killed him off because Nimoy wanted out. Anyway, it's yeah, all it was a Leonard Nimoy thing, right? Yeah. And they named the entire book The Search for Spark. But JJ got him back, baby. Well, of course. JJ got him back. <laughs> how, how did you guys feel about the, the, the joke, the one page novel, The Search yeah, for Spark? I, I didn't that get that so... until I was flipping, fl- until I, I went to the end and like look back through the book again and then i was like oh i understand now uh so for those of you who have not read the book the search for spark is only the first page of the book and then you flip it and the next page says bonus novel right they found spark yes. and then bonus yeah, hadrian novel. says where's spark and then he's he's behind the the comm station or whatever and then yeah. the next page it says bonus novel willful child the undiscovered bunny by steven erickson and then the rest of the book is that yeah. bonus novel yeah. which I think is an all-time great gag. Exactly. And that <laughs> bonus novel gag. references a lot of, uh, what is it, 
Star Trek uh, five, the final frontier, the one where they meet God and Star Trek six, the undiscovered country. That stuff totally was confusing to me. Yeah. I guess it makes more sense that it's a reference now. I was like, a lot of this stuff, it's just because it's so random. It's just this shrug. And it's like, I guess, you know, I guess this is what we're doing. Yeah. And and, and this is probably why I enjoyed it a little more than you guys is because it's it's really direct references Uh, like Star Trek five, where they go to meet God. The ship gets taken over by a fanatic and they go to the edge of known space or whatever to the, the galactic barrier or something. And there at the edge of space is an, uh, a godlike entity pretending to be a Judeo-Christian god. Hey, Jeez. I'd like to meet God. Yeah, well, I, wouldn't we all? <laughs> um, wow. But l- listen, so uh, that's just basically how I was feeling. I, I want to at least get to AJ, our harsh critic of the show, <laughs> um, the Wals- Waldor and Waldorf and Scully. What are the names? Uh, Statler Sc- and Waldorf. Statler yeah. and Waldorf of the show. Uh, so what do you do you think there's some what, like what do you think the difference is i feel like basically all three of these are really similar books yeah and i think that's what it is i think the first one was like this is a new shtick the second one was like i enjoyed the shtick in the first one let's keep going and then i i also just i think enjoyed generally the second one more because it, it felt more a little more focused uh not super focused but more focused on the first one and then this one i, I don't know i think i just i think i've gotten sick of the shtick and without without the ref, without understanding the references, the shtick is not enough to bring me through 300 pages. Yep. Mm. Um, yeah, that's I fair. think that's just where I feel I like like they they got off the Nazi planet and I was like, I feel like we already did this joke of like the the the, the nice guy brigade left and the Nazi right. Like we did that in the second book. And so without yeah. knowing that there was a whole Nazi planet in Star Trek. I was like, we've already done this entire gag. Why are we doing it again? Yeah, I, I will say it did feel like in the first and second books, the references were a little more oblique. Like we did go down to that planet where it was taken over by a bunch of idiots. And it was like an oblique reference to Trump being elected and right wing politics yeah. and also kind of to Star Trek dealing with that stuff, but also not directly. Whereas this book, they literally go down to a Nazi planet, you know, as we'll talk about on the the Patreon bonus episode, I'm sure the the drugged up leader is uh, actually one of their own and yeah. decided it would be. It's it's very direct. It's yeah. I don't know. I I thought the Nazi planet was funny for the record. Um and uh, also Nazis can go fuck themselves. Yeah. So no, I like liked the Nazi planet and like enjoyed the wow. whole planet being set on fire. Uh, wow. That was that was good. I just like felt like I don't know. I, I, I had gotten to that point and I was like, we've are, I've already kind of done this, this shtick. And like, I understand that I think the second one came out in 2015 and this one came out in 2018. So it was like right before and in the midst oh, wow. of, yeah, I, I didn't know this was so fresh. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what he, he, he referenced, uh, he, Trump, Trumpisa may. And I was like, this is a Trump and Theresa may, you know, portmanteau or whatever. I was like, how new is this book? 2018. I was like, holy crap. Yeah, um, but oh, it, it tracks. That's, that's and surprising. I, I for some reason I thought these were like all written immediately post crippled God. Mm, yeah, but obviously I was wrong. So yeah, is, um, is that when the first one came out? I think the first one was. I, like I, I don't know. Eleven. I, I don't know what he wrote after right after crippled God. I wonder if it was Carcanus or whether I did know he did rejoice knife to the heart. But uh, AJ's googling. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. The first one. The first one came out twenty sixteen. So it must really? have been. It must it have was been, it 16, 17, 18? It must have been, yeah. And what was immediately post-Crippled God? 
I'm going to guess it's Carcanus. Came out in 2011. And Carcanus, the first book of Carcanus, I don't know, uh, Forge of Darkness, that that came out 2012. Yeah. Wow. And then Fall of, Fall, Interesting. Of, Fall of Light came out in 2016. And then Willful Child came out. I wonder. Uh, anyway, yeah. so, let, so let's get back to this. Let's, listen, I, I agree. The horse is well and dead. Yeah, I think that's really I think that's really all it was is, is I was I, I, I got it and I was like chuckling, but I, I wasn't finding it anywhere near as funny as I found the first two books. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if I was just like more tired. But like when I when I finished uh, Wrath of Betty, it was like 1230 at night and then I watched Wrath of Khan. So like, I don't think that's it. I just right. there's just something something about this book and it being like the the third I don't want to say rehashing because it's obviously not but like to me who has no experience with the original series of Star Trek it kind of is because it was just like with like I said with without the references it's just the same shtick right right I just got sick of it pulling away the references obviously you know I I found a lot more new things to like in this sure 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 they were just new references to different so so Nate what uh, Nate what's what's some of the what's some of this stuff yeah, so I mentioned, I mean, a lot. there's a lot of stuff from uh, Undiscovered Country and uh, The Final Frontier. I keep forgetting the name of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, where they meet God. I just know it as the one where they meet God. <laughs> where um, they meet God. Undiscovered Country, for instance, has uh, uh, the Kittimer Accords, a peace talks with the Klingons. Uh, uh, unlike the book, which has uh, the, the Kitty, Kitty Meow Accords. I, I, uh, I did, I did pick, I did know that, so. And... It does get referenced a bit in Next Gen, the Kittimer Accords, just as a, a political kind of touchstone for the post-war Federation. But uh, I liked all the cat stuff. I thought it was funny. It was funny. Yeah, I, I did enjoy turning the Rajalak into very silly uh, uh, cats. Oh, I guess it's no, it's the clang. Cause yeah, the clang of the cats, the Rajalak are the cl- snot yeah. monsters. Oh, right. The right. Right. The, the snot monsters. Ridiculous. And the other thing that is from that movie is uh, when Supreme Admiral Drenchmaster drown you all in my magnificence, Bilbert. Sorry, I had to pull that uh, up to Bilbert. reference. Yeah, all the name, all the names. Bilbert and the other Radulak uh, are misquoting Doctor Seuss all the time. Oh man, yeah, that was mm-hmm. really it's, good. It, I, I, very funny, very good. That one landed for me, Nate, because I remember you telling me that that was a thing that happens. Uh, in well, usually, in the usually scene. they're quoting not, yeah, Doctor Seuss, right. yeah, 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 but they're they're quoting American like you know, uh, right. Earth authors and being like, oh, they stole it from us. It's like, so oh my God. right, so according to uh, Bill Burt, it's Radulak, Wordsmith, Drencher, Brian, Zeus, um, <laughs> Brian. But, uh, in Star Trek Six, uh, there's a Klingon who quotes Shakespeare all the time and claims it's uh, better in the original Klingon. It's it's very yeah. directly. This this guy who cannot stop quoting Shakespeare. I don't think he misquotes it, though. That, that, that one, I think, is Steve Erickson putting some sauce on it, that it's it's funnier <laughs> if he's not actually. Erickson put in some Erickson put in some sauce in the book. No, <laughs> no. But the, those those rhyming couplets that are supposedly Dr. Seuss references are just so funny. Yeah. Gets me every time, especially because it's always a very dramatic moment. Um, something I uh, really liked in the book was I thought the explicit D&D, Marines enjoying D&D oh, yes. 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 was pretty silly. Definitely a highlight. 
twice it comes up and they really they really ham it up for a couple pages they're describing all of their characters and how they fail and how uh lieutenant sweepy brogan is a very cruel and vengeful dm i could you imagine steve's played dnd in his life you know also the tiny the 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 fleece i'm sneezing now but the flea stuff is really good (sighs) bless you yeah the flea stuff is great uh the 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 fact that there's this colony, uh, what on Betty, I guess, or mm. uh, or Molly, probably Betty, because uh, I think they all die off, and then we get a, a short interlude of of um, we get the whole interlude. It's amazing. All quiet on the Western Front is the parody there, and and it's, yeah, yeah. As, as we get the whole condensed novel of the, the fleas perspective. And then we get that fun list of Steven Erickson's uh, pun patrol where he comes in and just lists a bunch <laughs> of alternate books that could have fleas. Honestly, I do feel like th- this book more than uh, more than the other two just enhanced the idea that Steve Erickson has a Rolodex of puns going through his head at mm. all times. And he feels like he never gets to write them. So yeah. this is his excuse to uh, put them down on paper and and subject the world to his fun uh, yeah. puns. I do agree. He has a giddy sense of energy where it's like, I'm just going to write 30 puns right now. Right. And no one can stop. Me. Yeah. Right. I feel like this book, you said you said it has that Stephen Erickson energy. I feel like this book in general has more Steve in it than the other two like there are they all are pretty stevie no they're all definitely stevie but i think this book specifically has a lot of like parentheticals or like brackets of like it basically feels like steve is just like hey like here's here's the gag and oh yeah you know directly speaking to us which i think isn't a thing that happened in the first two books right that science fiction line yeah there's a bunch of things that are clearly direct from steve yeah there's a there's a bunch i i do agree in the first book although thin there's at least a veneer of narrative and like right. storytelling. Yeah. Where I feel like at this point in the third one, it is like all but abandoned. And essentially, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's pretty like to call it a novel. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's a it's a string of puns and references and, and right. silly. Uh, Steve. I, I don't I can't imagine he you know, plotted this out too much more than here's some things I want to do with this book. And, you know, here's a chunk where I want it to be a Nazi planet. Here's a chunk where I wanted to do this and let's string it together loosely. I I don't think he was like stressing over the connective tissue on this one. Right. I'm sure he had some intention. I guess I just mean like that, like the veil of like, let me tell you this. It's just, that's not what we're, that's not what this book is. You know? Yeah. I, I, I think it was fun because in the first two, it's like, okay. Oh, it's where, not a complaint. I, at, in the first two, it's kind of like, okay, where is he going with this? And in, in the third one, you're like, oh, he he doesn't care. He, he doesn't want us to he's, care. He, he's not even <laughs> pretending that there's like a, a goal. I mean, he's kind of pretending that there's a goal, but he's recognizing that it's as dumb and stupid as and pointless as as, uh, as we recognize it to be. It's just an excuse to have. And, and you know, Captain Hadrian talks about this a lot. It's just an excuse to have side adventures on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a here's a hypothetical. Do you think maybe there's like one great book that could be here? You know, hmm. I, I here's here's basically my take. I feel like he kind of has the I, what's tough is once again, I don't know for Peter. I, I like I'm not some I feel like it. it's clear to me now. This really has to hit different for different people, you know, Star Trek wise. But I feel like these three books are somewhat samey uh somewhat repetitive and beating a lot of the same 
beats, do you, like do you feel like maybe there could be one like truly great satire in, in here, you know? I feel like if Steven Erickson wanted to write Galaxy Quest, yeah, the novel, he could have written Galaxy Quest the novel. I don't think that was his goal. I think his goal was to exercise some of the puns and silliness that he has uh, in his head about Star Trek, put it on paper and say, okay, here world, here's what I think is fun and silly about Star Trek. I, yeah. I think, I think it's more to just kind of get it out on the page and have an enjoyable few books for Star Trek fans and fans of his. And I, I, I don't think he's trying to write like the ultimate parody of Star Trek and, 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 put on the record what's silly about Star Trek. Like, I, I think that other folks have done that well, and he doesn't need to retread that ground. I do agree. I don't think he's trying to write Galaxy Quest or anything. I feel like he's taking a Sharpie and drawing a mustache on a cardboard cutout yes. of Captain Kirk. That is yeah. a perfect, yeah, um, that's a perfect analogy. Uh, Aj, what do you think? Do you think? No, I mean, I totally agree. I think I think Nate, Nate really got it. And I also think, given the context of, like, when these books came out and, like, how deep into Malazan he was at the time. Like, I think it was also just a fun, like, I don't want to like engage my brain at all. It's like, I have this, I, you know, I know everything about Star Trek, the original series. I'm going to make a bunch of dumb jokes. I'm going to like, I'm just going to, you know, write the word fart and then send it to my publisher and then, and then we'll be good. And like, right. I, I feel like that is, that is, it was, was the, the object of these books, but I think he, I, I don't know. I, I think he could write galaxy quest if he wanted. I don't, I don't know if that's like the best question. Cause like, he's a, he's a good writer. So like, yeah, I think yeah. he could do it. And and I don't think that these are an example of bad writing. I think they're just more yeah, yeah, yeah. a fun lark for him to have as a, as a side gig while he's, you know, in between very heavy, very yeah, plot absolutely. heavy, very many threads to keep track of. Yeah. This, this was a uh, book for good. him him first and foremost right and then and then was like and he played it off as like well people like star trek (laughs) yeah absolutely this is this these three books are steven erickson getting to play around in the star trek universe and we're along for the ride if we want to but Mm -hmm. if we don't want Mm -hmm. to who he doesn't care yeah (laughs) his publishers are and actually working in the publishing industry this is something that happens sometimes is you have an author who you want to please and who you like their work sometimes and other times you just want to give them the book that is their idea and yeah. let them write it and let and publish it for them and only print a, a handful of copies so that when they uh, come out with their other big book that will sell a lot of copies, they're happy and they <laughs> do it quickly and they always want to work with you. So it's 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 clear that this this one's for Steve. Yeah. It feels like this one's for Steve or that just like this is like him just riffing on this stuff that I like. Obviously, he's like a huge Star Trek fan. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. Um, and just like riffing on this stuff that he and a lot of other people love. That's that's my impression. And especially after, I guess, uh, spoilers, I actually watched more than three episodes. Whoa. Of <laughs> so to, to dipping my toes a little bit more. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's like I know that community so big and it almost feels like I like walked into a room that like. Uh, I wasn't necessarily supposed to get be in. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, look at you. These everyone's having fun with right. the stuff they know, you know. But 
Right. Um, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like you, you happen to be on vacation in a hotel and you are wandering around the lobby and you find that, oh, in the hotel ballroom is a Star Trek convention you didn't even realize was there. Mm-hmm. All right. Exactly. And I feel like I'm poking around. I'm like, hey, this is all right. Yeah. What's this? They're having a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a good time. I I am glad to hear that you uh, watched a couple more episodes. I'm excited (laughs) to talk about that in our our next episode. Yeah, we can talk the about Patreon more. exclusive. Yeah, all right. We've plugged, we've plugged it more than enough on this show. Okay, hashtag ad. Um, so, uh, Nate, other uh, other uh, cherries you wanted to pick? Yeah. Let's... So uh, you you caught the next gen reference uh, with John Lucky Placard. Uh, yeah, there, was, there was also I was uh, excited to see um, a reference to the new Star Trek Discovery show, which I. Oh. I wasn't sure uh, Steven Erickson would be all that tuned into. A lot of the um, diehard fans of older Star Trek are skeptical and uh, skeptical at best and uh, not super into Star Trek Discovery. But Steve seems to have at least a begrudging respect for it and and enjoys it enough to make fun of it. Uh, The morning after universe where they displace, there's a displacement glitch and they displace over to uh, one of the mirror universes where we meet Captain Lorna of the USS Recovery. There's a Captain Mm. Lorca of the USS Discovery. Um, Amazing. See, totally over my head. Yeah, I was Uh, like, wow, this is just another universe. uh, He talks about the resplendent blue uniform with gold braids. That's literally the uniforms on Discovery (laughs) are blue and they have like different um, metallic braiding and they are dope. They are very, especially compared to the original series, they're like sharp ass uniforms. Yeah. Um, The spud drive prototype, uh, faster than light drive. In Discovery, they use a spore drive, which is uh, oh science God. babble bullshit about um, mushrooms and fungi uh, that lets them somehow instantly teleport. First Officer Daisy, the Cowian, uh, on that on their on the USS Recovery, they have a cow person. Um, yeah, uh, one of the very what? few prey species to have attained sentience. This is Jeez. a really, I mean, if you haven't watched Discovery, this is in nonsense. But um, the first officer on Discovery is a a character that is of a species that is called a prey species. And he has uh, like this innate ability to sense danger because his his prey, his species grew up uh, in a ecosystem where they were the prey. And it's very silly. It's it's very silly. So so wait, is he a cow person on Discovery? No, he is. Okay, that's what I thought you were saying. I was like, no way. He does have hooves. But that he's not a cow person. He's got these weird like stilt legs. Uh, played by um the oh, famous uh monster Moved makeup man. actor. Oh uh, gosh, what is his name? He he played uh the Pan in Pan's Labyrinth. He, mm, he played the okay. eye monster in Pan's Labyrinth. He, the the one the, the, the one man. human who was born with hoofs. Hoof <laughs> yeah, guy. yeah, hoof guy. <laughs> the, he also played the fish monster from Shape of Water. Oh, Doug I know Jones. who you're talking about. No. Doug Jones. Doug Jones. Great character actor uh, who happens to be an expert behind too much makeup effects and latex and hooves. So if, if we just step away for a sec, Nate, can I just get a quick take from you? What's you, uh, how, you're liking Star Trek Discovery? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little overwrought. It's a little silly, but, you know, so is a lot of Star Trek. So it it, it takes itself a little too seriously, but. I do mm. think it's starting to hit its stride. How, how many seasons of it has there been now? I think they're in the. They just finished the third season, so they are uh. working on season four. I think was interrupted because of COVID. So they may have picked up production on season four. 
it's a whole thing. They have teleported into the future. They were in the mirror universe for a while. It feels like they had a lot of changes on the showrunner staff and they didn't really know what they were doing. It feels like they're starting to pick up the thread. Yeah, I heard it kind of found its footing. And I also know, wasn't there more of an attempt, although other shows have had that, to have a more serialized story as opposed to more episodic stuff? Yeah, it's fully serialized, which I think is one of the reasons why the writer's room kind of struggled with it at first, because we've never really seen Star Trek in that way. Like like you say, we've seen like three episode arcs or something where they're dealing mm-hmm. with a similar problem. You know, Deep Space Nine did a lot of that where it's like, okay, here's what's going on in the background, but each episode still is its own kind of thing but for the most part. Whereas these are fully trying to be prestige television that tells a full story start to finish. And each episode is in service of that story. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, another reference, just uh, the final reference I have noted here is the main character on Star Trek Discovery is called Michael Burnham. She is uh, played by Sonequa Martin-Green. And they don't really talk about why she's a woman with the first name Michael. And we get a full reference. Uh, uh, the second officer on the USS Recovery being a woman named Bernard Burn Them All. <laughs> and they say, don't talk about her first name. Like, yeah, exactly. Disregarding the fact that her last name is Burn Them All. Right, exactly. It's <laughs> it's very silly. Uh, Steve Erickson probably watched Star Trek Discovery. He was like, this is silly. And uh, <laughs> yeah. wrote down a couple notes. Yeah. Man, Steve just loves Star Trek. Yeah, I guess. truly. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah it's very obvious. W- what a nerd! <laughs> I have very cool. Uh, speaking of things that Steve finds silly, there is an entire like two paragraphs devoted to like how the Star Star Wars reboots are dumb. Mm. <laughs> yes, how the and, Star and Wars how he doesn't like the Alien trilogy. <laughs> 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 and and how the Star Trek reboots are not it's it's very it's very um tongue in cheek because yeah he's talking about rehashing previous stories uh and and it, it's clear that he's referencing Star Wars and then Im- immediately Clearly. starts undercutting the Star Trek uh reboots uh, as yeah. well done by J.J. Yeah. Abrams so he he, he knows it's very silly uh <laughs> reboot culture is is something that Steve uh, Erickson is trying to take down but he, yeah he's he's Got his tongue firmly in his cheek. <laughs> I will say, though, I got here's just a small, you know, I, I, too, thought those sections were kind of funny. And but also like joking about the Death Star stuff is somewhat like, yeah, we all know. Yeah, <laughs> we all know. But um, it's like barely it's the majority opinion. I feel like <laughs> most people are up are, are not stoked that we're like doing Turner and Hooch again. You know? Are we really yeah. doing this, Turner that, and yeah. Hooch again? Yeah. It's on Disney Plus, no. baby. I know you are dying for it. You can stream it today. Oh, man. Hashtag ad. You know, I, I, I don't know anyone who's sitting around like, I'm dying for them to do re- redo Robocop in three years, which I'm sure they'll do because yeah. fuck this. You know? Yeah, uh, agreed. I, I think that is a, a very common uh, sentiment. Kind somewhat pedestrian. I think Steve take, has a good take on it, where he, you know, puts puts that criticism in certain characters' mouth and then uh, mouths, and then uh, kind of undercuts it uh, a little bit by acknowledging that everybody's doing it, even the even the folks we love and uh, appreciate. This the Star Trek ones are not above criticism. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys think the book's juvenile? Yes, for certain. I, I kind of think it is. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's like we said, these books are for Steve, and it's just him being like. This part, this is dumb, or like this is just fun, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, I, 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 I would, I would say they're relatively juvenile. 
I haven't read other Steve's other work. However, I can imagine. Which, for the record, is funny. There's. Uh, yeah, thank you for being a, a, a guest on your podcast about Stephen Erickson's work, uh, having read yeah. no other Stephen Erickson works. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I, I can imagine there's not a lot of dick and fart jokes in uh, Steve uh, Erickson's other works. Uh, listen, they're, they're he, different. He, he, he knows how to he knows how to use humor. I think he's like a funny. He he knows how to use humor in his writing, and he's Absolutely. pretty funny. Absolutely, but it's it's pretty really it's really different, right? So. so I, I think this is his, his chance to get the juvenile humor out of his system, to to flush mm. it all out and 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 say, OK, well, you know, there's probably not too many of my dick and fart jokes showing up in Malazan, <laughs> but uh, here's where I get to indulge. Right, right. They do get well, silly. Well, listen, I have a small tangent I'm going to go on with uh, AJ, but um, Ooh, OK, I do wonder if uh, we have any. Uh, Closing thoughts to send Willful Child 3 out to sea and shoot a flaming arrow into it. AJ, looking back on these mm. trilogy of books, what do you think you learned from one Hadrian Saulback? <laughs> what do I think I learned? What was the lesson of these books? Yeah, what was your um, takeaway to your soul? Everything is bad and it's too far gone to do anything about it. So you might as well <laughs> have fun while you're on the ride. <laughs> <laughs> That's, honestly, that's, honestly, you if, might be right. If there is a lesson, I think that I think that is it. Is that it's just like, hey, it's too fucked, and you're, there's not really anything you can do about it. So just kind of have fun. Yeah, he does make an interesting point that the world is fucked. You might as well have fun on the ride down to hell. But mm. also, is that is that an Adrian, interesting point? Yeah. I don't, well, but well, it's only is that interesting, interesting because, or is that juvenile? Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely juvenile. It's it's only interesting because Hadrian, the ca- Captain Hadrian still like goes out of his way to do heroic and capital G good things. Yeah. Mostly because it's fun for him because of his, as stated in previous books, obsession with Star Trek and being the hero. So it's unclear if, I mean, as much as we want to take any lessons from willful child, uh, if there is a lesson, (laughs) it's like, I don't know. Sometimes it's fun to be good and heroic, even though the world is shit and there's basically no point. Yeah. But isn't there also like a self-fulfilling element where it's like you're if you pretend to be a hero and you try to be a hero and you're kind of obsessed, even if it's in this vain sort of way, you can ultimately do good in a consequentialist sort of manner. Absolutely. Yeah, Uh, I'll accede to that. I think that's fair. I I think especially if you have the assistance of a rogue AI from the future, Tammy Wine, uh, Tammy, sorry. I would love to have a Tammy in my life. Um, We should all be so lucky. (laughs) We should all be so lucky. Uh, so, Nate, looking back on these three books, you're uh, you're ten years from now. Uh, <laughs> the world's even more on fire. It's the hottest summer ever oh again. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> on your shelf, there's these three books. What do you think you're gonna think? Look at them. Wait, what do you think? Yeah, that is a good question. I don't. I I don't know if I'll pick them up again in three years. Did you say? I I don't ten. know if it's that. Soon. I said ten, ten years. but okay. I. I Maybe 10 years. I feel like the next time I am like hankering for a Star Trek rewatch, I might reach for these. Like uh, if I get in the mood to to be like to really go down the rabbit hole f- for some original series or like rewatch the original movies, this might also be in my list of things to revisit. 
just to kind of indulge in my love of Star Trek. It's it's definitely something that I have enjoyed and appreciated and I had a lot of fun reading. I, I don't know if they're much more than just fun reading, though. Yeah. Listen, by all accounts, if you enjoy Star Trek, if you're listening to this, you should probably read it. I don't know. Like, uh, totally. Uh, you know, you, you God bless. Make your own decision. <laughs> I will tell you, I will definitely not reread these books any time in my life. You know? Yeah. Like, is there a chance I will read the Malazan Book of the Fallen a third time? I don't know. Maybe I'll definitely say there's definitely a chance. You know, they're really long books, but who knows? You know, maybe maybe I will. Not saying never say never, but uh, these books I'll never read again. Uh, you know, I probably, probably, probably. <laughs> That's fine. But they were fine. They, you know, had a good time. Glad I did it. And I definitely, you know, maybe I learned more about Star Trek through this than mm-hmm. the actual show. Which is, I'm sure, what Steve would want. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) if there was any goal, it was so Steve could instill in Peter Bond a greater appreciation (laughs) for Star Trek. But to be fair, legitimately, I feel like my introduction to Star Trek is through stuff like Galaxy Quest and other shows referencing Star Trek. Oh, totally. Yeah, SNL sketch is making fun of Star mm-hmm. Trek. Or, yeah. yeah, everybody makes fun of Star Trek because it's it's so it's so earnest and it's been around mm-hmm. such a long time. And it's it is absurdly earnest. I know yeah. we're going to talk about this next. So it is like just unrivaled levels of sincerity yeah. to put to screen. <laughs> it's perfectly ripe for parody, and it is good natured about it. It's like it it doesn't Star Trek doesn't care that we're making fun of it. Yeah. Star Trek doesn't need us to respect it. <laughs> I was watching those episodes and I was like, man, <laughs> what? Just like, <laughs> like, I don't want to blame it all on 9-11, but. (laughs) Pause it there and leave it for tomorrow when we record the episode. I can't wait to hear how 9-11 plays into Peter Bond's appreciation of the original series, which came out in the 60s. All right, we can we can talk about it there. But if listen, you want to hear how full- Star Trek relates to 9-11, hashtag ad. Yeah. <laughs> subscribe to our Patreon. No, all right, we've plugged it enough. We're going to stop doing hashtag ads. All right, uh, I think that's going to do it for us. I feel like we, we've covered a lot of it, unless we have anything else we want to get to. Do you guys have any f- uh, fun quotes that you want to close with? I have one. Uh, sure, let me look at a few of my quotes. Uh, I love that they were called the Hitler old people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my- um, I love the name Mondo Litz, Mysterious Artifacts Division, Pan Pending of the Pan Pending Office of the Eternal Murky Legality. Yeah. Steve loves the word Mondo. It's a very good word. Uh, the, yeah. the closed door D&D Mondo Marathon weekend was fun. <laughs> guys i have a very weird thing in my kindle version do you both have the print version yeah. i do okay can, can you go to chapter nine page 182 nate 182 yeah chapter nine all right now go to the ending of the previous chapter okay and there's a dialogue line that says right i can do that give me a mo yeah now under it what's the line beams lashed lashed is crossed out and it says arced out okay that's what i thought what's up with that i don't get yeah, it yeah so i think it's a reference to the previous books when um hadrian comes aboard this ship and it has like shooty weapons like bullets and missiles and things like that and yeah. he has tammy reconfigure it so that they're all beam weapons like in star trek uh... um because 
because Star Trek has phasers, which are just like laser beams that shoot for a while. And I guess that's a reference to that. And Steve's like, um, instead of lashing out, they are arcing out. I don't know. I I don't I don't think I fully understood that. And maybe I don't understand it at all. Do you think there's any chance this was just like an edit that made it in the book? That's my dream. (laughs) No, traditionally, edits would be done like. In no, I, kn- I know oh, okay. that's definitely not the case, but, you know, a girl can dream. Yeah. So it is fun. It, yeah. It's very silly to go. OK, Steve, I don't know why you crossed that out, but I'm sure it's a <laughs> reference to something. You, you thought it was a fun <laughs> way to describe it and, and let us in behind the curtain. AJ, you got quotes stand out to you? J- um, the one that made me laugh out loud was the the first Captain Nawfang scene we get in the transition to the next section. So Captain Nawfang talks with all the W's and stuff whatever it's it's very it's very silly yes um and oh, then wow. the transition to the next one Nate, if you go to the top of page 14 we, we get these like you know stage directions of like where we are instead of <laughs> it says prison planet rude pimente but right before that says prison and then that's crossed <laughs> out and says prison planet it's yes. really really good yeah really, really good. steven erickson the narrator has gotten stuck in the the uh, yeah. habit of using w's because they <laughs> really, are really, really they are really funny that oh, all of that and i'm not even sure what the point of that is other than to just have a fun interlude with this guy using a lot of w's yeah. You know, I think it's what we were saying. It's part of the like the postmodern element of this book where like the framing and the the veneer of this book and the story is being punctured. Am I right, AJ? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely postmodern. I mean, I guess of all of all his works, this is the most directly postmodern, right? (laughs) Like, Um, I mean, it's it's postmodern in like a in in a a, whatever the opposite of subtext is. Um, Text. Text. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) It's like that. Do you guys remember this Simpsons bit? Uh, in the episode where the the Navy is trying to uh, implement subliminal messaging in uh, a boy yes, band song, even at Niage, yeah, and uh, and the Navy recruiter is explaining to like Lisa, I think that there's uh, subliminal messaging, liminal messaging, and superliminal messaging. Superliminal messaging, what's that? And he just yells out the window, "Hey, join the Navy!" <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Lenny or whoever just shrugs and goes, "Okay." <laughs> Uh, the Simpsons has some good gags. Truly. That's actually, it's actually a huge blind spot. I think I've really seen like, I don't know, 20 episodes of The Simpsons, maybe. You uh, know? If only there were more Willful Child books so that we could watch um, <laughs> the Simpsons. Simpsons references. Damn. Uh, or, or Futurama references for uh, for your Patreon episode. Oh, Funnily I, enough, I have watched all of Futurama. Man, like Futurama is truly great. Yeah. Futurama is a really good Sometimes show. Sometimes I think about how great Futurama is. Anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, we are really going out on a focus ending. Nate, did you have quotes you wanted to my share? My favorite quote from page 271. AJ, you probably missed this one because it's toward the I end. I definitely did, yeah. AJ, there's a fun bit where they meet God and God yes. speaks in all caps. I did see that. God yeah. exclusively speaks in all caps. You cannot cheap keep God's chill. Uh, so they, they're uh, beyond the unknown barrier, deep in the realm of the unknown. Uh, and uh, here's a quote. Uh, Sir, cried Eden, I have God on line four. <laughs> Um, so that's that's about it that's all i have from willful child three the search for spark that's good no sorry nate that's that's willful child the bonus novel the undiscovered bunny oh you're right the bonus (laughs) novel the undiscovered bunny located in the the back of willful child the search for spark (laughs) right the one page search for spark on the cover art for this episode can we put the undiscovered bunny on there absolutely 100 (laughs) percent 
Well, listen, uh, that's going to do it for us here today. Um, Nate, thank you so much for coming on the show, and thank you for reading these three books. Perhaps you'll be on again, but perhaps <laughs> this is a farewell to one Nathan Alabaster Quinn. Nah. <laughs> that's not my name, but... <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for having me on the pod. I'm I'm glad we could find an excuse for me to finally join you because no offense, I probably will never be reading a Malazan book. They're just too dense. Mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe if he uh, writes some short stories or something, I could come in. But if you ever need my expertise, uh, my particular brand of well, nerddom, Nate, like he, the whole book's like a short story, man. It's like <laughs> the whole he's a he's a short story writer. Short story, that's a fact. I, yeah, I, man. I have heard that. <laughs> and, and I think that when you write that was my Malazan super fan impression how did it <laughs> it sounded very hippie if I'm being honest <laughs> <laughs> you just don't get it man <laughs> I will say I kind of like I, I get what they're getting at I don't think they're entirely wrong but <laughs> fascinating um, <laughs> I wouldn't know it's uh, not a conversation for right now AJ uh, <laughs> glad to have you on the show we'll talk soon yeah and um uh let us know what you think of the show. We're 10 Very Big Books on Twitter and Gmail. And um, I do not know what is coming out in the off season. Yeah. We are recording this ahead of time. Something will be out in a week. Something will be out. You have my promise. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Goodbye. See ya. Bye. Hello, everybody. Producer AJ here drinking some evening coffee. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. And thank you also to Nate for coming on and being such a great guest. As always, it's always a joy to talk about these books. Again, if you want to hear us talk about some of the Star Trek original series episodes, that will be up on our Patreon hashtag ad. Uh, if you'd like to give us your thoughts or feelings about this or any of our episodes, you can always email us 10verybigbooks at gmail.com, tweet us at 10verybigbooks, or you can head over to our Discord bit.ly slash VBB Discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D. Discord, that link will also be in our show notes. Uh, thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over on Patreon. If you'd like to financially support the show i'm not going to say it again uh but you can head on over to the link down in the description in the show notes and as always thank you so very much to dan gesserit for making our spectacular cover art you can follow him on twitter at a underscore w underscore dan g for the hottest eagles victory weekday effect tweets and of course the wonderful music in today's episode is by the one and only amaranthan from their album the new romantic which you can find along with their other music on bandcamp.com links to their pages will be in the show notes and 10 very big books will be back next week on september 24th with our final off-season episode where we will be talking bone hunters and much more with steven erickson only two more weeks until the beginning of our reapers gale read through very exciting i'll talk to you then and thank you so much for listening 